Want to hear more? With your Amazon device or Alexa app, say, Alexa, play country farm sounds and escape to a mid-1900s farm where you will take a walk during the morning chores. This is the Friday, October 20, 2023 version of the market analysis segment for Market to Market. Harvest is more than halfway complete and the market appeared to bounce off seasonal lows. For the week, the nearby wheat contract added six cents, while the December corn contract rallied two cents. Good crush news boosted the soybean complex as the November contract gained 22 cents and December meal improved by 33.90. December cotton shrank by 3.66 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, November class three milk futures increased 67 cents. The livestock market was lower. December cattle lost to 12. November feeders cut 935. And the December lean hog contract sold off 350. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index gave up 45 ticks. November crude oil gained $1.49 per barrel. COMEX gold expanded 50, 50 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs commodity index added more than five points to settle at 600. 50. Joining us now, regular market analyst Sean Hackett. Sean, good to see you again, sir. Good to see you too, Paul. Uh, you have some positive news in some fronts, but I think the overriding question is, is this positivity short-term or are we in a long-term trend in commodities right now? Our belief is that the commodity complex has made a turn, a slow turn up meaning that we've gone from 18 months of going down to starting to work up two steps forward, one step back. So we think it's a long-term turn, but it's not gonna feel good in the beginning. Like we saw with grains, where you have a big breakout and then a, a retrenchment. That, you're gonna see some of that action in the beginning, but we do believe a lot of the cycles and factors are pushing more inflation in commodities and for 2024. Inflation in commodities, maybe not inflation in general? Correct. We are always talking about commodity inflation, which is different than headline inflation. Sure. That's correct. Wheat, though, um, that's been fighting a couple of numbers. Uh, first, it was just stay above five. And then all of a sudden, six looks like it's a possibility. Do you see six as a return in the near future? I believe we're the days of staying under six on SRW wheat, for example, sure. is we're on borrow time for that. We look at South American production, we look at Argentina and Australia combined. I'm thinking 40 million metric tons of production, they could be up as 60 if they had a good crop. So we're talking about a significant decline in Southern Hemisphere production, which is gonna to start to impact supply and demand going forward. Australia has some rain. Global numbers are going up. So when you say short-lived, how short is this window? I think the window is actually longer term because the, the short South American crops, they're ready to harvest. That's done. And when we look at dry weather in Russia, Ukraine, one of the driest planting seasons we've seen in at least five years, we're going into dormancy in some pretty nasty conditions in Russia, Ukraine. And of course, that's what's really been keeping this market back. Yeah, what do you see about the Black Sea region as still being a headline driver? Because I think the last time you were here, we talked about fatigue in that. In that. Is that still a factor? I think, it's, I think we're at fatigue. I think we're now moving on to just looking at weather and supply and demand and the things that we typically look at. I don't know if this Middle East conflict with Israel is going to, you know, instigate or that situation further because there's a lot of moving pieces. But overall, we think we're moving on to more of a fundamental story and less of a geopolitical story. Corn market this week, you positive on it long term? I am. 
Why? Well, when I look at weather for South America, specifically Brazil, all our weather work says that we're moving into what's called an El Nino Motokai, which is a central sea surface temperature Pacific warm-based winter El Nino. When we get that, it means the northern half of Brazil, especially Mato Grosso, can get very hot and dry. Right now, the Amazon is having a failed monsoon season, so when I look at that, crop production in Brazil could be way, way off at a time that our production was a huge disappointment from what we thought it was going to be, meaning many in the market thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. You're saying disappointment domestically in our corn? Meaning the production was lower. Yeah. Most people thought we were going to have this big, big crop. As you know, we were against that. We said we we're going to have more of a drought cycle below trend line yields. That's exactly what took place. And, and so despite what everyone says, says is a 2.2 billion bushel carryout, well, that's assuming if you believe the USDA demand, we don't. We think demand is going to surprise to the upside. You do? Yes. And where's that coming from? It's going to come from better demand from China. It's going to come from better demand from uh, ethanol, from making renewable diesel out of ethanol. There's a lot of factors we think. Are, it's kind of interesting. When corn is 6 and $7, Everyone thinks demand's going to stay strong, and it doesn't. And when we're under five, everyone thinks the demand's going to stay terrible, but ultimately low prices always bring in more demand. We find other ways. We make those cattle heavier. We make the pork heavier. You know, we, we add those weights and improve the feeding demand. Well, and I thought China was coming into corn, but no, I wrote that down in wheat. So China's going buying for grain right now. Well, they, they have been buying our SRW wheat for the first time in a long, long time. They've been buying our soybeans. Obviously, for corn, they've been preferring to buy... Brazilian corn because it's available and they prefer to buy it from them when they can get it, get their hands on it. But you know, the demand from China has actually been pretty darn good. It's just that a lot of it has been down in Brazil, but we're starting to see that shift a little bit. Good crush in soybeans. Is that the big driver? Well, certainly the crush is going to be strong. We know the renewable diesel is there. The plants are opening up. You know, that's going to continue. And, and, and if you look at the bean meal explosion in prices here in the last two weeks, something we warned about to our customers could happen is suggesting that the, the meal demand side of the equation, a lot of people on the end user side are not covered. Do you cover right now before it goes any higher? Well, we already made a recommendation a few weeks back to aggressively do that when we were at 370, 375. I'm not sure I would chase the market at this moment, but I would look for any breaks in meal into the end of the year to gain physical coverage on the end user side. Well, we have a question as we take a look at the harvest. It kind of ties into that question, and it came from Matt in Iowa. He had a question for you, Sean, uh, via our Facebook page. Should we reward the rally in soybeans and sell out of the field or do we hold for higher prices? The issue I have right now is that we have high interest rates. We have a high carry in the soybean market. If you're looking at storage costs, how much it's going to cost you to hold that, you know, hold soybeans into, let's say, March or May. I'm not sure soybeans at a price that works is something I would hold off on if I need to raise some cash. I think selling the cash and then using some re-ownership strategies at a much cheaper um, cost to me makes a lot of sense. Remember, you can take that money and get rid of some high cost debt as well. I mean, there's a lot of reasons I'm thinking selling out of the field in soybeans is probably a better way to go and look for opportunities to reown. If we're correct about this Brazilian weather problem, we should see some better marketing opportunities as we go forward. Do you anticipate carry in this market will differ much from what USDA has guided? Do you have signals that are telling you that 
Eh, not as much out there, Sean. Well, the way the way USDA operates, they just won't go below 180 million metric. I mean, you know, this 100 million million bushels are not going to go lower. So, whatever, even if it's zero, it's going to be 180 million bushels of carryout. So, I think the number is much smaller, but they're not going to say that. And I think the corn numbers are much smaller in terms of ending stocks. What do you think of the cotton numbers? The cotton numbers. Um, uh, the problem with cotton is we've had these terrible crops all over the world, but we continue to have this gnawing worry about how higher rates, a restrictive monetary policy, and some of this weak demand that we're seeing globally on the retail front is going to mean for future co uh, cotton demand. At a time, by the way, harvest lows in cotton tech tend to occur in November, not in October like they do for grains. It's a about a month delayed. So we're at the time of the year that farmers are looking to pressure the market and get that, those you know, get those bales out and get some cash home on the farm. So it's a tough time for maybe the next 30 days, but we think the market can dig its heels in from there and go higher after that. In, in dairy, uh, we finished the week up almost 4%, but you're telling me that's not the full story in dairy in the few days they've had. What's going on there? <sighs> dairy is a situation where we had, we, we were down on, on 13, 13 and a half in July, the worst losses in the history of the dairy industry. The herds are contracting, production is contracting, demand has been very, very weak up until the last two GDT auctions out of New Zealand, which are cash prices. We've seen huge surges in milk powder, huge surges in other milk derivatives, and that kind of gotten this hand-to-mouth attitude here in the U.S., excited that maybe you know, they ought to get some extra coverage, and we've seen this market get excited again. Having said that, when we're looking at class three, class four prices, 19 to $20, per hundredweight, we think is going to hold this market back through the end of the year. If we see that price get into that 19s like we are now, I think producers should reward that rally for now. As we recorded this program Friday afternoon, news was released from the governor of Iowa that there had been a return of avian influenza in Buena Vista County. That's a high, and this is on a turkey farm. What does the outbreak, we knew, we anticipated this would happen again. There's been cycles in these countries that this would return. What does this do to the whole protein complex? Well, I mean, to the extent that it causes uh, a chicken shortage, you know, um, it would mean demand for alternative proteins. It obviously means if it's really, really bad that you have some reduced demand for feed domestically until we get things going back the other way. Um, it's unfortunate that we continue to have to deal with these animal disease problems here and elsewhere, but it just seems like it's an ongoing annual thing that we have to deal with. The market is used to it. It's not like this is a surprise anymore, like we don't know how to handle it. So the market will move forward, but it, it is a, an obstacle to you know, moving forward hand-in-hand hand and heart-to-heart. Heart, so. Catalan Feed Report came out on Friday. Uh, it was already a tough week, given a couple of things. Is it going to get tougher after this report? Well. The estimates, we came in at 101, which was above the high end estimate on Catalan feed. We came in, I think, 106, which was above the high end on cattle placed on feed. And the marketings were 89, which was slightly below the low end. It's hard to construe that anything other than a super bearish Catalan feed report. Probably the first real bearish report we've had in a very long time. Cattle has been weakening. We're very negative, the cattle price, the cattle market, into the end of the year, and it could carry over into the first quarter. Those beef cutout prices are starting to fall for two months in a row downward, and I think sticker shock might finally take that consumer and, and, and retrench and say we're just going to you know, pull back on that and look for something different. Translate that into what we need to do. 
if we're a cattle producer right now? We have been advocate of getting these prices locked in through the spring. Don't mess around. These are good margins. The market always will surprise to the, to the downside when you least expect it, and you don't want to have to sell cattle when it's not profitable. Not very profitable in the hog industry either right now. No. The pork cutout price, as of today's close, back at December 2020 price levels, that is astonishing that we have anything that, that's back to the 2020 price level. Very hard to get the hog industry going when no one's buying pork at that level. Obviously, the California dislocation has a lot to do with it. But you know, the lack of Chinese demand is another issue. And even though Mexico has been a big buyer of our you know, pork supplies, it's been not been enough. And, and it's hard to see a quick remedy to that other than to say, can the cheap price finally bring the consumer back? That's the hope that, that we get that back for the, for the, the holiday demand season. I think I saw uh, another analyst say the, the floor had a trap door in hogs. Do you think this has room to go lower? I think short term it does. Okay. You know, until the pork, the the pork cutout price improves, I think we still could have further to go. Market, the hog market loves to overshoot anything reasonable in your mind. I'm not sure we're done yet, Paul. All right. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Good to see you. That's Sean Hackett. And we want you to hold because we are going to pause this analysis, continue our discussion about these markets in our Market Plus segment. You can find both analysis, which we just finished, and plus on our website of markettomarket.org. We were producing the Market Plus and Market Analysis podcast before the concept was mainstream. Stick with us with those two or season eight of the MTOM podcast. Next week, agriculture's heavy hitters gather to discuss world food policy. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week.